Listen, there's no way of me knowing who's gonna get to see this video. If you happen to be one of the ones that gets to see this video, I'm here to remind you that God is faithful. God is faithful. No matter how big your mountains look, just remember that God is faithful. You may be struggling, you may stumble sometimes, you may even fall sometimes, but remember that's, yeah, I put this on my life and I put it on everything I love. God is faithful. God is faithful. God who has started what he has started in your life will finish it. Keep the faith. There's no bigger flex than looking back through everything that you went through in life and says, God, I am glad I kept the faith. Keep the faith. If you give up on your faith, you got nothing. If you give up on your hopes, you got nothing. I know it's not easy. I know there are times that it looks really dark outside. But I guarantee you this. If you keep the faith, I'm speaking to you as much as I am speaking to myself right now. As long as you keep the faith. Dear Lord, please help me to develop habits that will help me to grow and be better in every area of my life. I pray that this year I will be closer to you and more like Jesus than I ever have been. Please lead and guide me and help me to be all that you know I can be. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. From Cajun Jarhead on X. The drugs, the dealers, the guns, the killers The boxes in the ring, the thriller in Manila The hood, the block, the voice of the ghetto The all-around hustler neighborhood What's up guys, Sergeant G here from the Stone Vet USMC Super excited to be here with you guys, man I'm glad it's finally Friday, dude Got right before the holiday, right? Holiday for most of us, right? Being President's Day, working for the U.S. government Get the holiday off, right? It's a federal holiday. What can you say, man? Super excited to be here with you guys, man. I'm telling you, dude. If you guys haven't picked up this book yet, you need to. Honestly. Seriously. Because what I talk about in these chapters doesn't even give it justice of what Pastor Todd has written in this book. I read the chapter today, and I almost started crying towards the end of the chapter because, boy... Can he hit the nail on the head, dude? I think that's one of the things that we don't understand is how damaged we truly are, right? How much trauma we've actually endured in our life. Not just from the military, you know? I mean, a lot of us suffer from a lot of trauma within the military, right? We, we Military screwed us up, and we deal with a lot of trauma, and it sucks. Especially when we have significant others, you know, that love us and want to be here for us and help us and take care of us that we don't realize how damaged we truly are. And it sucks, man. It sucks so bad. It's, it's what I'm working through. I tell you guys, I, I'm talking about it, but I'm actually doing it. I'm actually working with my counselor, and this is what we're doing, right? She, she wants to start EMDR with me. She already did the childhood thing with me. It sucks, dude, facing trauma head on. When you actually have to look at it and be like, I don't want to... I don't want to mess with you. I'm done. It hurts, right? It sucks so bad having to deal with the trauma, dude. And I I hate it. I hate it. But it has to be done in order for us to heal. It has to be in order for us to heal, you know. I was at church the, I was at church this past Sunday and, and there's a pastor there. I don't I can't remember his name to save the life of me. But he's a pastor out there and he actually pulled me to the side and he gave me a hug and he told me, Keep doing what you're doing. He said, I heard a pastor that passed away back in 1998. I heard of one of his old sermons, and he said it changed my life. And so I'm hoping, guys, that you guys are listening to this and getting an understanding as to why I'm doing this, right? We're broken, damaged people, and nobody's going to help us. Nobody. Not the VA, not your mom, not your dad, not your significant other, not your kids. None of them are going to help you get through what you endured. And it's our job to fix ourselves so that we can be better people, man. So that we can be better people for those around us, for those that love us tremendously, right? Because I, I bet you guys have people that love you tremendously. You just don't realize how much they actually truly love you, right? 
like my wife, we're going through some stuff. Me and my wife, we're going through some stuff, right? Like any other any other marriage, right? Any other couple, right? Anybody who's been married for 22 years, right? We're going through some stuff, and we're trying to heal from the trauma that I've I've endeared for us, right? I caused a bunch of trauma in our relationship because of my selfishness, because of my trauma that I endured as a child. I brought into my relationship and messed a lot of stuff up. But now we're trying to talk through it. I'm, I, she's talking through it. I'm listening, and I, I'm lost for words. Like, I don't know how to talk to her. I don't know how, how to have a, an intelligent conversation with her or an emotional conversation with her to tell her how I'm feeling or, or anything like that. And it sucks, dude, because she loves me so much. I know she does, and I love her so much, dude. And this is something I got to figure out how to deal with it, right? I don't know if you guys saw, if you guys have seen any of my old past episodes, right? My wife was talking about it. If you guys have seen any of my old past episodes, you can see the old me, who I used to be, right? What I used to do, who I used to be. And they asked me if I would take them down. I said, I don't want to take them down because I've had a lot of great guests on my show. All my lives, are, they're not on there. I don't have any of my lives that I did when I was with the uh, Vet Radio Syndicate. None of those lives stayed up, with, thank goodness. But all my previous episodes, I brought on a lot of great veterans that have that have been hurt as well. You know, but if you guys get an opportunity, go and check out the old me, who I used to be, right? This is a new me. me this is why I started this podcast again, because that was the old me, uh, the old way of doing things, the way I used to do things. And now today, this is what I want to do. We talk about we want to help our brothers and sisters. But how do we do that? How do we help them? Right? So this chapter this week, dude, it was a really good chapter. I damn near highlighted the whole chapter again, dude. Like, I'm telling you guys, please pick up this book, dude. Chapter 8. When damage, when damage is an inside job. Right? Every family is a little bit dysfunctional because families are made of people and people are cracked, broken, and jacked up, damaged, right? Like us, right? How many of y'all like to get together with your family? How many of you like me and say, I don't even want to get my family together. I don't even want to mess with it, right? I don't even want to, I don't even want to talk. I don't even talk to half my, I don't even talk to my family, honestly. I don't talk to my mom. I don't talk to my dad. Don't talk to my sisters. Don't talk to my brother. I don't talk to any of them, right? They don't make an effort to reach out to me, so I, I don't make an effort to reach out to them either, right? Because I, we have our, we all have our own lives. We all have our own things going on, right? It sucks, but you know, some of you guys are probably really close with your family, with your brothers, your sisters, your moms, your dads, right? And that's good. That's good that you have a support system like that. Mine is fucking broke. Mine's broke and damaged really bad, and I just don't talk to them, right? It just says some families are more dysfunctional than others, right? Who do you know from a dysfunctional family? If you can't think of anybody, it's probably you, right? Dysfunctional. Are you dysfunctional within your family? They look at you like, oh, man, he's just a freaking jarhead. Or he's, just a, he's just a veteran, right? You know, he's, he's, he's kind of messed up in the head. He's seen a lot of things, and he just isn't right around people, right? That's how a lot of us are. That's how a lot of, that's how a lot of people talk about us, right? That's how a lot of people talk about us, right? He goes on in here that says, I hope getting to know the drama of Fib's family, right? His psycho grandpa and his murdered dad. Even family of origin damage isn't beyond the king's ability to restore. Do you think you're so damaged that the Lord won't restore you and make you whole again, right? I know I tell you guys to go pick up the Bible, right? And you guys are always wondering, what? I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do, right? I don't know I don't know how to read a Bible. So I can tell you guys, pull up the app. Get your phone out, right? I know I know everybody's got their phone close to them. Look, I got mine close to me, right? Mine's right here. I got the Bible app. I got a Bible app on my phone. Download any Bible app. Any one of those Bible apps that you see in, in your store, right? In your Play Store, your iTunes or whatever, right? Go download a Bible. Start with First and Second Samuel. How many times have I told you guys, week after week, start with First and Second Samuel, man. It's 
I'm telling you, if you want to hear great stories, dude, that's where you want to start. And then you can dig through the Bible and start finding different stories within the Bible because there's tons of them. Tons of story in the Bible, dude, that are very interesting. Very interesting, right? He says here, Fib's family isn't the only one with issues in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. In fact, King David. Right? You remember David, right? He's the one that killed, that that took over the kingdom. Right? In fact, David may be great and good as Israel's king, but he is a deadbeat. He is a deadbeat dad to his own kids. Man. How many of that hit in the gut? How many of y'all feel like deadbeats? Huh? How many of y'all feel like, man, I'm not a good dad. I need to treat my kids better, right? David, King David, is a deadbeat to his own kids. It just goes to show that only real, the only real hero of the Bible is Jesus, dude. That's what it's showing here, right? If King David is a deadbeat dad, King King of Israel, the king, is a deadbeat dad to his own kids, man. The only real hero in the Bible is Jesus. David has unhealed damage of his own. And in his, and in his case, the damage becomes a generational curse instead of a generational blessing. Why do you think that is, Right? couple of chapters ago, right? What did he say? What did, what did Pastor Todd say? What you don't transform, you transfer. What do you think about King David? He was a kid too, just like you growing up. Became a teenager. And then he became the king of Israel. You think he went through anything growing up? Look, man. He passes down his damage to the next generation. Do you want to do that? Do you want to pass down your trauma that you can't deal with to your son? What about your daughter? Do you want them to deal with what you can't deal with? I know I don't. That's my trauma. It's not theirs. There's no flipping way, guys, that we should be transferring our trauma to our children, right? Let me give you a trigger warning before I sum up three action-packed chapters of the Bible in five minutes, dude. In 2 Samuel, remember I told you, 1 and 2 Samuel, right? In 2 Samuel 13 through 15 is some scandalous scripture, dude. There is nasty stuff in this in this chapter, chapter 13 through 15, right? I'm not talking about spit on your brother nasty, right? Because you know if you guys remember, right? Not too long ago, he's done. He did a he did a he did a live. Pastor Todd did a live with his brother. He spit in his hands and rubbed the spit in his brother's face, right? Similar to how Jesus did when he gave the blind man sight again. He spit in his hands and rubbed it on his face, right? He said it's not nasty like that, right? I'm talking Games of Thrones or the color purple nasty, dude. How many of you guys like watching Games of Thrones? I've never seen the show. It's kind of takes place too long ago for me personally. I've never watched it, but I hear a lot of nasty stuff that happens in that show. I've seen the color purple with Miss Oprah Winfrey. And that was a pretty crazy movie too, right? He's Ted... I'm talking so nasty, it makes Jerry Springer look family-friendly, dude. No way, dude. You're telling me a second Samuel chapters 13, 14, and 15 is more scandalous than Jerry Springer? You guys remember the Jerry Springer show? You guys remember that crap that used to come on there all the time? That garbage that used to come on there just to, just to get ratings, right? That's all it was for us, to get ratings, make more money. That's all that was for, right? He says here, right? An older brother sexual an older brother's sexual violation of his little sister 
is the first domino of a thousand tragic dominoes. This is in 2 Samuel, guys. As I give you an overview of David's dysfunctional and damaged family. What? David's family is damaged? I wonder why. Why do you think that is, guys? He transferred it. This is in 2 Samuel. You don't believe me? Go pick up the Bible. Open it up on your app. Open it up on your app and go to chapter 13, 14, and 15. Right? He said, one of the king's sons, Amon, lust after one of the king's daughters, Tamar. So his son has sexual lust for his daughter? Wouldn't that be his sister? If you're doing the math, that makes them half-siblings. Same daddy, different mamas. Instead of taking his temptation to the Lord like we all should, ask the Lord to help us, to help us beat that freaking demon trying to defeat us. Instead of taking it to the temptation of the Lord, alerting accountability, asking for prayer, or even hitting the gym for leg day, Amon comes up with a scheme to rape her, dude. Get the f- Are you kidding me? In 2 Samuel's chapter 13, 14, and 15, this guy rapes his sister? What? What am I reading, dude? Instead of asking for prayer or going to his brother and say, Hey, brother, I'm hurting today. Can you come with me? I don't know where I'm going to go, but I need your help right now because I'm hurting really bad. Right? Have you lust after somebody like that so bad that it hurts because you just like them that much, right? You just think they're so pretty, right? This guy was doing this to his sister. Right? And then follows through with his evil plan. So he rapes his sister. Not only is Tamar sexually violated, she is also socially humiliated and shunned by her own community. Because back in the day, guys... Women didn't have rights. You ladies, if you're watching this, back then y'all didn't have rights as women. No. Imagine it being this at this time. Imagine how humiliating this would be for her. This little girl getting raped by her brother and then people laughing at her because he did it. Through absolutely no fault of her own, Tamar is considered damaged goods from that day on, dude. (laughs) Damaged goods. We're all damaged, aren't we? No one holds Amen accountable, dude. When David heard about this, he was angry. He was very angry, right? Anger can be a good place to start if it eventually leads to justice, though, right? Don't you think justice should be served for what his son did to his daughter? But the scripture tells us that David gets mad, gets over it, and then moves on. What? So you're telling me in 2 Samuel chapter 13, 14, and 15, David got mad, right? Then he got over it. And then he moved on. Tell me, what would you do if your if your son did that to your daughter? What would you do? Think about it. Would you beat the snot out of him? Probably almost murder him. You beat him so bad, right? Probably call the cops, tell him, take him away. I don't want him here anymore. He's not safe for my family, right? But David didn't. He got over it, and then he moved on. Yes, it was a different time and culture, but seriously, Pastor Todd says he has three beautiful daughters. How many ch- how many daughters you got? I got one. I got three daughters, dude. I got three daughters. If that ever happened to somebody, if that ever happened, somebody would be getting hands laid on them immediately. You guys know you would do it too. You guys would put your hands on them so quick, wouldn't you? You're like, oh, you want to be a man? I'm going to let you feel like a man real quick, dude. Real quick, right? And then he says he'd be headline news again, right? 
You probably would be too, wouldn't you? You'd be like, I'm all over the news. Yeah, I beat the sheesh. I beat the crap out of that guy. I beat the crap out of my son for what he did to his sister. Yep. I believe in calm, cool, and collected conflict resolution. But when it comes to my baby, right? When it comes to your baby, right? You're like, nope, I'm not taking it. I'm done. I'll show you how I truly feel now. Right? He says, keep praying for me. God's not finished with me yet. You guys feel it? Keep praying for me. God's not finished with me yet. How, how do you guys? Feel, I hope you guys feel like that. I hope you guys take a moment and sit there and say, "God's not done with me yet. I'm built for better. I'm built for bigger." Right? I hope you guys can feel that that you are built for more than what you're at right now. He says, poor Tamar takes refuge. She goes to her other brother, Absalom, right? Absalom is furious with Amon on her behalf. And when he realizes David, the king, their dad, isn't going to do anything, isn't going to give justice to Tamar by administering judgment to their rapist half-brother, He's filled with rage, dude. He said, all right, Daddy, you don't want to do something about it? I'm going to do something about it, right? And another domino falls, man, right? That's what we started with, right? That was the name of it, right? When damages is an inside job, right? It's a domino effect. The domino effect of dysfunction, that's the name of this chapter right here, this part of the chapter that we're reading, a domino effect of dysfunction, right? Another domino falls because Absalom said, I got you, amen. I got you, dude. We're going to do this. Now, get this. No one holds Amen accountable for rape. And no one holds Absalom accountable for murder because guess what Absalom did? Yep. He murdered him. Right, David mourns for his son Amon many days while Absalom flees the country, right? Because he's got to run now. He's like, I just killed my brother. I got to go before my dad does something to me. But what makes you think David's going to do anything to him? He just let Amon rape his daughter? You think he's going to do something to Absalom because he killed his son? Sounds like some Democratic crap right there if that was to happen, I think. I don't know, though. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I won't. We won't get political. We won't get political. Absalom lies low in neighboring Geshur and waits for daddy to get over it and move on, right? Because that's what he did earlier, right? That's what he did with Amon. He just got up, right? He just moved on, got over it and moved on, right? And so Absalom's waiting him to do the same thing for him. The king allows Absalom to return to Jerusalem, right? Tamar and Amon's business ever happened, right? As though none of the pleasant business ever happened, right? That's why David brought him, brought Absalom back, because he made it out like what happened between Tamar and Amon never happened, right? It, it never happened. So I know this seems outlandish, as if it could never, ever happen today. But may I submit to you that many families today allow the domino effect to dysfunction, the domino effect of dysfunction. To divide and devastate their every holiday season. The holidays, dude. We just got over the holidays. Christmas, Thanksgiving, right? How many of y'all does it suck to go hang out with your family during the holidays? How many of y'all make an effort to go hang out with your family during the holidays? My family is here. My kids and my wife, that's my family. It's the only family I truly got, honestly. It's sad to say, but I mean, we all grow up differently, right? We all grow up a certain way. And for me, I mean, my dad left when I was 12, so I didn't know what it was like to have a dad when I needed a dad the most, right, at 12 years old. So I grew up on the streets. People think it's weird because I said the Marine Corps is my mom and my daddy. I joined the Corps at 17 years old when I was 15 
I went to Thunderbird Youth Academy. I turned 16 when I was going to Thunderbird. And that was just a mini boot camp here in Oklahoma for for bad kids, right? For court-ordered kids. So they had two sides, court-ordered and a volunteer side. And I volunteered because I got to get my GED. And so when I was 13, 14, and then like 15, right? 15 and a half or whatever, I was running the streets day in and day out. I didn't have no parents. My mom worked all the time. She was never home. And then my dad was never in my life. So I had nobody raising me. I was raising myself. And then when I went to Thunderbird Youth Academy, it's like a year long, I want to say. I think I want to say it was a year that I was in there. It was boot camp for a year, right? I I graduated. I was 16 and a half. I had just turned. Yeah, when I graduated, I had just turned 17, right? And I was already with Summer. We were already together. Right? I've been with her since I was 16. And then I went to boot camp, Marine Corps boot camp at 17. Right? I was, I was 17 and a half when I went to Marine Corps boot camp. And I spent nine years in the Corps. So when I tell people Marine Corps is my mama and my daddy, I, I mean it because that's who raised me. That's who raised me to be this ignorant, broken, damaged person I am today. But that's why we're here today, right? To fix ourselves. To fix the damage and the trauma that we endured growing up as kids. Or being an adult that you're going through trauma right now because your ex screwed you over. Or did horrible stuff to you. Whatever. Whatever trauma you're dealing with, right? That's why we're here is to work through it. To make ourselves better, right? There's drama every time the family gets together. You guys know that. If you guys have one of those families where there's always drama, so-and-so don't like the cousin so-and-so, or they don't like their girlfriend or fiancé or whatever, you know the drama that happens during those get-togethers, right? We know there are problems. We know there is pain. We can feel the pressure, but nobody talks about it, right? It's business as usual. Like, nothing ever happened. Sound familiar? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We believe this notion that time heals all wounds, right? You guys heard that? You got, how many times you guys heard that before? Time heals all wounds. That's a lie. Wounds heal properly only when they are properly treated. But time doesn't heal all wounds, dude. You got to treat the wound to heal the wound, right? You don't go to the doctor. You like If you had to go to the emergency room because you got a sunken chest wound, what are they going to do? Right? It's got to be treated properly. They can't just put gauze on it and just try to stop it right now. They got to treat it properly, right? This next part's called the king's justice. Right? It says... Absalom knocks down another domino. He hatches another plan, and this one is heavy with irony. He starts by showing up early each day at the city gate where people come in to petition the king for, you guessed it, justice. Right? When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from. And they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everybody everybody would bring their cases to me for judgment. And I would give them justice. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he he took them by the hand. And kissed them. Absalom did with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. So they were coming to him, right? Because the king wouldn't hear their problems. So guess what he did? Do you see the irony here? The brother killer wins the people's hearts by promising the very thing David has failed to deliver. In Absalom's own case, justice. 
He's giving them justice, dude, what David wouldn't do for them. And on the strength of those promises, the son raises a full-fledged rebellion against his father's reign. Uh-oh. He's trying to get the kingdom. Eventually, Absalom slips out of the city Gathers an army from every tribe in Israel. Why? Because what did he ask them when they came to him? What tribe are you with? He's got people. Right? Gathers an army from every tribe in Israel, then heads back to take the throne for himself. He's about to kill David. Do you believe that, dude? Not only did he kill his brother, but he's coming after David. When David hears that all this is going down, he decides that his only course of action, if he wants to avoid a full-blown civil war, is to leave the city and let the dominoes fall where they may. Dude, are you kidding me? The king said, I don't want to fight my son. I'll just leave. He left his kingdom. Would you do that? Would you do that knowing that your son's coming to take over your kingdom? Without you knowing it? What would you do? It's a good question, isn't it? To think your own son would do something like that to you? David chooses to stand against Absalom. The whole nation will be at war with itself. Who's responsible for the me- for this mess? Certainly not Tamar. She's the one that got raped, dude. Amon's a good candidate to take the blame. But at the end of the day, Amon's lust is an after effect. Of an environment of damage. Oh man. What? What you don't transform. You transfer. So. Amon's lust. Is an actor. After effect. Of an environment of damage dude. Oh, man, doesn't that hit hit home? Damage? We're all damaged, aren't we? We're all hurting. But this is because of David. Because he transferred it. Absalom's range is allowed to escalate unchecked. David may think that Absalom is sabotaging him. But the truth is, sabotage is an inside job. Ain't that the name of the chapter, the whole chapter, when damage is an inside job? It starts silently hidden inside David long before it ever provokes rebellion in his son. I wonder what David's dartboard of damage looks like, dude. Remember the darts? Remember the beginning of the, what, chapter one? Chapter two? Darts? When he was playing darts? Did a dart hit King, kid David in the dominion of rejection when his dad didn't bother to invite him to meet the prophet Samuel? Remember, Samuel was the king before David, right? David took over the kingdom from Samuel, right? Remember that? Was that a hit? Was that was that the hit? You remember when we were talking about we got to recognize the hit? What got us to where we are today? The hit, right? Was it that? When his dad, when David's dad didn't take him to meet Samuel? Did a dart hit teenage David? When David was a teenager, did a dart hit him in the domain of abuse when King Saul commanded him to play music? And then threw spears at him. First and second Samuel, guys. I'm telling you. Dude, I'm telling you. These are probably some of the best books in the Bible to start with, dude. Like, you read about that. Where David was a teenager and David played the harp. Right? 
And I remember this. I remember when King Saul threw spears at him, dude, and they stuck in the wall. As a teenager, did you think that's what caused the after effect of Amon? Did a dart hit young David in the domain of accelerated success when the whole nation celebrated his victory over Israel's enemies? Was that the hit? Remember, height doesn't equal healing. You take the real you with you wherever you go. David's unhealed damage is undermining his family and his reign as king. Consider how differently David treats Mephibosheth and Tamar. When it comes to his deceased best friend's son, Jonathan, right? Jonathan was his best friend. Fib is his son, right? When it comes to his son, he goes above and beyond to show kindness and offer restoration. When it comes to his own daughter, he drops the ball and doesn't say a word. His damage is a hindrance to both his fatherhood and his kingship. And he doesn't even realize it, dude. How many of y'all go through that? And you don't even realize the damage you have inside of you. Right? Today, right now, the damage that's inside of you, dude. King David didn't even acknowledge the fact that his daughter got raped. How differently things could have turned out if David had done his own work, like the work you're doing now, and received God's healing. Only God's going to heal you. I'm telling you, dude. I know. Who's God? What's God, right? We know God, right? Everybody knows of God, right? How differently things could have turned out if David had done his own work. If David had done his own healing after getting these hits. Hits of becoming famous. Hits of being having spears thrown at him as a teenager. Right? How differently would it have turned out for his daughter Tamar? Right? Like the work you're doing now and received God's healing. I wish he would have prioritized healing and tackled step three, right? Remember the steps. Five steps, right? Five steps. Remember the hit. Did that. Recognize the hurt. Did that. We are at number three with realize the hindrance. It's time to do this. Right. And then we reset humility and receive God's healing. Right. Part three of this chapter. Realize the hindrance, man. Where are you hindering yourself? He says here, take the log out of your own eye, dude. He said, isn't it funny how easy it is to see the toilet paper stuck to somebody else's shoe? How, how is it even possible that they don't know those three or four bright white squares are a silent billboard announcing exactly where they've been and what they've been doing? There's, they're out there dragging a damp streamer of evidence behind them and they have no idea. Sometimes our damage is just like that, dude. Easy for everybody else to see and invisible to us. We don't even see it. I'm a big, I commit that hugely. I don't even see the damage, dude. It's invisible to us. Before we judge King David too harshly, I want to admit that I can relate. I too have allowed unhealed damage to become a hindrance. Not because I don't care or because I was being reckless, but because I didn't even know. I couldn't see it. I didn't realize it. 
I didn't realize that my obsession with greatness would rob me of everyday joys, dude. What don't you realize, dude? What is it going on in your life right now today that has you sitting here hanging out with me, listening to me preach? That's hindering your relationship with who you love the most. Whether it's your little girl or your little boy. Whether it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife, or your husband. What is that one thing hindering you from be getting close to them right now today? Think about it. Right? For Pastor Todd, he said, I didn't realize it was my se- my obsession with greatness. Remember? He said he didn't want to be good enough. He wanted to be great at what he did. Would rob him of everyday joys. Why are you robbing yourself of everyday joy? You're already getting everything else taken away from you. Why are you allowing that to get taken away from you too? You should have joy in your life. You should be happy when you're around people. It should bring you joy and happiness. Stop robbing yourself of that, dude. Stop being a hard ass. We get it. You're a hard ass, dude. You're a veteran. We get it. Put your barrier down. Find some joy. Right? I traded good for great. Remember that? I would miss meaningful moments that I can never get back. I didn't realize the demanding perfection from others would cut off their opportunity to grow. I didn't realize that idolizing the ideal would send me into isolation. My obsession with greatness was an adaptation to damage. They never let me play, remember? He wanted to play. He wanted to play the drums at church. He was great. He wanted to play the drums, but he was a kid, and they said, you're too young. We don't want to let you play because you're too young. Like, they didn't think he could play. But he knew how great he was, right? Until one day, my wife asked, why are you like that? How many of y'all have been asked that? My wife asked me that. Why are you like that? Like what? What are you talking about? Uh, I realized that something, I didn't know what yet, was hindering me from being all that God made me to be, right? I realized that something I didn't know what yet was hindering me from being all that God made me to be. His wife told him, you need to handle that. <laughs> you need to handle that. How many of y'all been told that? You need to check yourself. You need to fix yourself. I get told that. Your attitude sucks. Right? When your wife's like, I hate your attitude right now. It hurts, dude. I hate when I make her feel bad. I hate it. I hate when I make her feel bad. I'm working on me, though. This is why I'm here with you guys, to do this with you guys, right? It was one of the most significant revelations I have received in this season of my life. I mean, it is, dude. It's hard. This stuff's hard, dude. If you're on the journey, I'm glad you're here with me, dude, because this crap is freaking hard. It hurts, but I'm working on me. Be for the greatness of God is what I'm trying to work for. It's hard, hard, dude. This is hard, 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 hard stuff. I'm 40, dude, and this is, I'm like, golly, dude, this is hard. I realized my damage was a hindrance to my present and my future. If I remain broken and unhealed, My relationships would be restricted. Dreams could become nightmares. Those closest to me could feel disconnected. That sucks, dude. He says, progression, not perfection, man. I started saying it to encourage or support other people a long time before I believed it for myself. 
Progress was just fine for everyone else. Of course, God didn't expect you to be perfect. Progress was good enough for God and other people. But it was greatness or nothing for Mike Todd. He robbed himself, dude. He robbed himself for a long time. And you guys are doing the same thing, too. You guys are robbing from yourself, dude. You don't even realize it, man. It sucks, dude. It's, it hurts. It's hard. It is. But I'm glad you're here with me, man. I really am. I'm glad you're doing this with me. I've been watching you guys downloading and listening to it, and I appreciate it, guys. I really do appreciate it. I like it. Share the content, dude. Share it with people. See if it can help them. I don't know. Maybe. Hopefully. If I can save at least one of you guys. I mean, I'm doing it, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? 44 days too many, dude. It says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Matthew 7, 4 and 5, man. If you're like me, self-sabotage isn't your goal, but correcting it is now your job. Ooh, boy. Yeah, I got you. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening, Pastor Todd. If you're like me, self-sabotage isn't your goal, but correcting it is now your job. He says, but now you've got to take responsibility to realize your hindrance. Realize that passivity will keep you from purpose. Realize that unforgiveness will keep you from understanding. Realize that excuses will keep you from executing. Realize that poor communication will keep you from connection. Realize that procrastination will keep you from progressing. Realize that a victim mentality will keep you from seeing victory. Realize that negative self-talk will keep you from self-love realize that comparison will keep you from community realize that unhealed damage will keep you from destiny be aware friend it is really hard to see self-sabotage on your own uh, dude yeah sometimes we just go through it man and this is the last page of the chapter, man. A domino of dysfunction can start a chain reaction of negative interactions. Hateful words, wounding actions, violating exposures and toxic environments. David's family, because his, he's unable or unwilling to realize how his damage is a hindrance to himself, and so many others, dude. His damage went on to his kids, dude. Uh, many of y'all can probably see it in your kids, the damage you've caused. I've got one I know. I'm trying to work on it. But a domino of healing can also start a revolution of forgiveness. Resulting in a lifetime of love. Hearts full of harmony and undeniable unity. My challenge to you is this. Tip the domino in the direction of healing. Don't let your damage be a hindrance. Man, dude. I read that chapter before I just made the show, before I jumped on the microphone. I read the chapter and I almost started crying in one of in, part of that reading the book i'm telling you guys pick up this book dude like legit i don't care if it makes him money whatever dude he he deserves it dude after he wrote wrote this book dude it's a really really good book right we are damaged people guys we are we have to admit that we have to admit how damaged we are but it's time to heal. 
it's time to have joy again. Right? It's like I tell you guys, my job isn't to make you believe in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. My job is to plant the seed and hopefully that the seed will grow, right? I'm telling you the good works they've done for me, right? They've saved my marriage time and time and time again, right? And they continue saving it, right? Because I'm an ignorant person. But the damage I've caused is where I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to be better. I need to be better. Right? I don't need to be great. I just need to be better. Now, I pray, guys, that you guys get better as well. I hope that you guys do find healing that you need. Right, because life's hard. It's hard, dude. This life's hard. It sucks. It's hard. Right, but we need you here. We need you healed, so that you can be better. Right. So those that you truly love can love you back. Right. Yeah, we suffer from a lot of crap, dude. We've been through a lot. We've been through a lot, and it sucks. But we have to be men now. We have to be women. We have to be grown. We have to heal from the damage that we've endured, right? That's experience now. Let's take that as experience now. Let's take that as experience and grow from it. Let's allow those that we love to be around us, to have fun around us, right? Find joy in being around us, right? Because we love them so much. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's hard. It's, it's it's hard. I'm, it's hard, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're doing it, right? Reach out to me, guys. You need somebody to talk to? Hit me up. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, X, wherever, you know. Message me. I'll, I'll reach out to you. I'll talk to you. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me today. Appreciate this time, this opportunity we've had with each other, guys. Remember, guys, you are important. You're needed. You're the only one that can do what you can do. Nobody else can do it. Let's break this chain of 44 veterans taking their life every day. Let's break it, dude. Let's break that chain, dude. We're stronger. We're stronger than them. All right, man. I love you guys, man. Until next week, man. Remember, guys, here at the Stone Vet. We got your six. The keys, the trap, the bank, the stacks, the money in the pot, the hand to shoot the crap, the pain, the struggle, the ways to adapt, the point you fell off, at the moment you bounce back. I am the rule, so stick to the code. I am the karma, so play it how it goes. I am the recipe, the food on the stove. I am above, I refuse to be below. I am important, cause I am unique. I am the lesson, so learn it from me. I am the pavement made in the streets. I am the merchant, Mary MRC.